Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. something in your heart if I may also would like you to pray for our uh, children's church and today is on our third Sunday there in children's church and uh, so let's pray that God would touch them in the course of what they're having shared and planted in their heart right now I don't think that it's unthinkable that God can't place his hand in the heart of a seven-year-old an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old this morning, this very morning, touch our teenagers and help them to have strength and make up in their minds uh, the path that they're going to choose. And I, I believe that can happen for them today. In the book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, you can remain seated and if our musicians can just hang out, I, I, will, uh, I plan to take just a few minutes and you all can decide how that pans out <laughs> in just a few minutes. But... The Bible says, speaking of uh, the Apostle Paul, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. We are all somewhat familiar with the term chosen vessel, and we have probably used that often in our own vernacular looking at other people and realizing the hand of God may be upon their life and things of that nature. But in truth, this phrase is only used one time in the entire Bible. It refers to the Lord uh, calling Saul at that time to the ministry or calling him into the church. And so this chosen vessel, I'm not suggesting that Saul was the only chosen vessel, but it's the only time this phrase is used. And so this statement was made by the Lord concerning to Ananias concerning Saul and what he was destined to become. And so I would say to all of us today, I want to just speak this morning for a few moments on the vessel because I think it's so important what we, how we handle ourselves. Amen. How we, because we are the vessel of God. We have a, we have this treasure. The Scripture says in an earthen vessel. I'll mention that again in just a moment. But it is so important. And so the vessel that God chooses to use, that is his decision and his decision alone as to who he chooses and what he chooses to do through that man or that woman. And so those are his decisions. So while God may certainly be the one in charge of what he would call you and I to do, the responsibility that we have toward that call is multiple. Because when we begin to yield, and as we begin to yield ourselves to the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of God, that drawing hand of God, we have to realize that just because we 
say with our voice, God, just use me any way you will. Do with me what you can, and, and uh, I surrender all. And all of the songs are statements that we may surrender. That does not relinquish us from any responsibility that we have to tend to our own heart, our own mind, our lives. And I want to speak about that within and without. Not just what we do on the outside, in the appearances, but what we actually do in our heart as well. To a large degree, we control somewhat what God can do with us. We determine by the actions of our lives. Uh, For instance, David truly had a desire to build a temple for the Lord. There is no doubt about that. We can find that common thread in his heart. But because of a past, it prohibited him from being used in that particular area. God was able to use him other places, but it certainly stopped God from being able to use him in in a certain way. He, there, was, there was too much bloodshed in his past. And so uh, we think about the vessel and how important that is. On September the 29th, 1982, is a day that, for, that left a forever stain on the fabric of American society. To some degree, it's a stain that, you and I still live with today, whether we're aware of that or not. Because it was early on the morning of this day that a 12-year-old girl by the name of Mary Kellerman, who lived in a Chicago suburb, she came to her parents, her mom and dad, and uh, said that she had a sore throat and had a runny nose through the night. Thinking nothing about it, the mother and father gave her one extra strength Tylenol capsule. Unbeknownst to them, that capsule was laced with potassium cyanide. And by 7 a.m. that very morning, Mary was dead. The same day, a 27-year-old postal worker named Adam Janus of Arlington Heights, Illinois, died of what was initially thought to be a massive heart attack. But it also turned out to be cyanide poisoning as well. In a plot that you would think would only be found in some twisted Hollywood production, Adam's brother and sister-in-law rushed to his home to console the family members that had gathered there at the the learning of his death. And so while they were there trying to console other family members, they began to both experience throbbing headaches, which is a common side effect of those that are involved in tragedies and especially unforeseen deaths. In In a strange twist of fate, both Stanley and Theresa took a Tylenol extra strength capsule or two from the same bottle that Adam had used earlier that day. Stanley died that very day, and Theresa died only two days later. Over the next few days, three more strange deaths would occur. 35-year-old Mary McFarland, 35-year-old Paula Prince, and a 27-year-old lady by the name of Mary Weiner. All of them, it turned out, took Tylenol shortly before they died. These deaths would panic an entire nation, and the news of these deaths would reach around the world. Many of you in this room today remember what I'm talking about. Only months later, what happened on this fateful day would would change the way that we both purchase and consume over-the-counter medications. Police theorized that someone must have taken the bottles off the shelf of some local grocers and drugstores in the Chicago area. Obviously, they laced those with poison and then returned these restored packages back to the shelves to be purchased by unwitting victims. To this day, oddly, the perpetrators of these murders have never been found. Before the 1982 crisis, Tylenol controlled 
more than 35% of the over-the-counter market. Only a few weeks after these murders, that figure plummeted to less than 8%. To be sure, it would be, it would be years before a bottle of Tylenol would ever be looked at without question again. As a matter of fact, the very genesis of this thought in my heart happened to me in the Walgreens store in Lake City several months ago when I walked in to purchase a bottle of Tylenol. As I was shopping and looking for which one to pick out, which one to purchase, I, when I went to reach for that, I thought about the events of 1982. And my doctor had said for what I was experiencing at that time, he said, you need to get you some Tylenol and take you some Tylenol. And for just a few seconds with an outstretched hand in an aisle of Walgreens, I wondered, do I really want to do this or not? <laughs> if you've ever been chosen to work for God in any capacity, and I think to some degree we have all been chosen to work for God. I don't believe that I know, I know what we're talking about when we talk about ministers and things of that nature, but I think we all have a call of God upon our lives. So with that said, then we're going to have to make sure with that call upon our lives, that we tend to the vessel that God has chosen, both within and without. I mentioned it a moment ago, but Paul said to the Corinthian church that we have a treasure, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that is in an earthen vessel, speaking of this flesh we call mankind. And so Paul spoke directly to the Corinthian church concerning the power of the Holy Ghost that would indwell the hearts of men. And so we have never called to question and would never call to question the power of the Holy Ghost or the power of the Holy Spirit, but we do, and we have called to question the power of the vessel. It goes without saying, perhaps, but if the vessel is contaminated, then there is no way that 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 is within the vessel cannot become contaminated as well. I can't overstate how important it is for all of us to maintain the vessel. I've got to think about what's coming in. Uh, to my mind, I got to allow, I got to think about what thoughts I'll allow to just wander around in my heart and my mind, things that I would allow myself to dwell on. I've got to worry about this vessel, not just within, but from without, because there are others that are trying to find their way to a genuine experience with God. They may be following me, so I had best be careful where I lead them. Amen. When we declare, when we make a de declaration of being born again, are filled with the Holy Ghost. That places us in a unique position. It places us in a position of scrutiny. Scrutiny within and scrutiny without. It's just part and parcel of it all. In the book of 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, uh, I understand these are instructions for what Paul refers to as the, those desiring the office of a bishop. And so we're not trying to paint with too broad of a brush here today. But I, I, I also believe that that one, some of the things that Paul makes mention of in these few verses, I think the, the, the attributes, and the, the, uh, the traits that Paul makes mention of in these few verses ought to be attributes that are found in all of our lives. Whether we ever preach a message, sing a song, or become a missionary in, uh, in some third world country, Paul, Paul mentions words like this. He mentions words like blameless, vigilant, sober, men and of good behavior, he talks about people that are given to hospitality and apt to teach those that are patient, people that are not brawlers or those that are not covetous. 
I, I understand how that would fit into the life of a person desiring the office of a bishop, but I also understand how that ought to fit in the life of everybody that is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then Paul finally concludes all of these statements in verse number 7 by saying that we must have a good report of them that are within and we must have a good report of them that are without. And I realize in the last few services I've mentioned this particular thing several times, but I think it is imperative. I'm not just out of things to say. I'm not repeating myself because I've hit the wall. I'm telling you that the world is watching, so we had better be careful where we go, what we do, how we dress, how we talk, what entertains us, what we find funny, what we find distasteful. Amen. The world is watching. But as important as that is, we also must guard the inside of this vessel because if the inside of this vessel, we may play a good game. We may have a good game going. The world may think we're all of this and a bag of chips. But if inside we know we're allowing things to go on, that that is going on, those things that are allowed are going to taint what the Spirit of God is trying to do in our lives. I, will, I understand that we're in the world, but not of the world. And I realize and do not think that God ever intended for the church, uh, the, the, the New Testament church, to just go find some hole and crawl in it somewhere until he returns. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have associations in the world. We have friends in the world. We have family that, that perhaps are in the world. But let me, let me just say this and, and unequivocally declare today that if carnal people are comfortable in our presence, we're doing something wrong. Amen. 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 If, if carnal people can just feel comfortable to say and do, there ought to be something about not us, but there ought to be something about the Spirit of God in us that condemns sin, that convicts sinners in their tracks. And so if, if in fact, those things are not happening, then I, I had better get somewhere in that mirror, that heavenly mirror, and say, God, reveal to me what I am doing wrong. Because if the vessel is tainted, the contents will be tainted as well. And so I've got to discover what's wrong in my life. And then... I have a responsibility to take drastic measures, if necessary, to ensure against that in the future. And so there are some things I've, I have mentioned through the years. If you've got a dripping faucet in the, in the front bathroom sink, you might can wait to get around to fixing that. But if you've got a drip in your roof, you had better tend to that. Amen. There are some things that are impaired. We've got to do something about this today. We might find a faucet leaking and think, well, I'll take care of that when we get back from vacation. We're going to be gone for 7 to 10 days, and it'll be all right. I'll take care of that. But if you leave your roof leaking for 7 to 10 days, you may not have a home to come home to. So there's some things that demand drastic measures. And so whatever measures we take will be rewarded if our intentions are to do the right thing. I began this tragic, I began today just with a tragic story of tainted Tylenol capsules. I want to go back there for just a moment. McNeil Consumer Products, a subsidiary of the healthcare giant, Johnson & Johnson manufactures the manufacturers of Tylenol. To its credit, the company took an active role, not only in the media, but certainly they took an active role behind closed doors about all the warning and, and communications. Additionally, they immediately recalled a... It was the largest recall at that time in history, 31 million bottles of Tylenol. 
the dire situation, both in terms of not only human life, but also in terms of business, made it imperative that Johnson & Johnson executives res respond swiftly and authoritatively. For example, Johnson & Johnson developed new product protection methods. They made ironclad pledges both to their investors and to their consumers that in the future it will be safe. We will do something about this. Working with FDA officials, they introduced a new tamper-proof packaging. Some call that child-proof packaging, and we have to have children most of the time to open them for us. This all included foil seals, and it made it that would make it obvious to any consumer if foul play had been transpired. Had transpired. All of these things are still in action today. These packaging protections soon became not just something for Tylenol, but it became an industry standard for all over-the-counter medications. Within a year after all of this and after Johnson & Johnson had, had invested more than $100 million, remember this was 1982, $100 million, Tylenol sales began to rebound to its healthy past, and it became once again the nation's favorite over-the-counter reliever. Critics who had prematurely announced the death of the brand of Tylenol were now praising the company because of the way they handled the matter. Indeed, Johnson & Johnson recall became a classic in case studies for business schools and remains as such to this day. Sadly, the tragedies that resulted from the Tylenol poisons could never be undone. There were some parts of this, of course, that could not be erased. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we still, from time to time, have that overwhelming feeling when we ourselves see that brand. But they did all they could do. Amen. They did all they could do. And so innocent people that had unwillingly, unwittingly ingested something they thought was going to help them, only to find out too late that it would be there to take their life. The Tylenol bottle that had brought consolation to so many now strikes, struck fear in their heart. I've said all of that to say this, that, that if we don't take care of the vessel, people are going to be thinking when we walk up to us, they're going to, they're going to look on the outside. There's going to be a little fear because of what they may see on the outside. But we also have to be very, very intentional about what happens on the inside because to those who lost their lives, the outside was fine but it was what was on the inside that took their life. Amen. I, I will close with this story. A, a very close personal friend of mine is a master carpenter. And just a few weeks ago, he shared a story with me that happened to him when he was working a very, on a very large job many years ago. He was working with a company that um, that made extremely high, high-end millwork. And they would install this millwork or trim, and I'm not just talking about trim that would be comparative to what we have in our church today, although we have some nice trim. But I, I'm talking about something that would make its way to Macy's or Saks Fifth Avenue or five-star hotels and restaurants and things of that nature. Extremely high-end extremely high-end millwork. The wood mill had a very, very large job coming up, and so they ordered an entire trainload of black walnut wood from Germany. 
for a huge job they had coming up. They were black walnut trees. And so when the wood finally arrived, they brought the logs into the mill to begin the process of trimming these trees down into workable sizes. As they began to run these trees through the bandsaws in short order, the teeth on the bandsaws began to wear out. In no time, the bandsaw blades began to snap in half. And as they took a closer look, they discovered these trees were embedded with all sorts of metal and all kind of debris. Upon further investigation, they discovered that this was not just ordinary metal, this was not random debris, but this was actually shrapnel that had been left over from the Second World War when they were young. Instead of killing the trees, these trees simply absorbed these foreign items and grew around it. The things that had wounded them had never been removed. It was just there, and so somehow they just grew around it. They grew around it so much so until the sellers of the timber and even the buyers of the timber were fooled by its height and by its majesty. They said, this will be a perfect tree for the job at hand. And so the entire load was sent, and then it had to all be discarded. I want you to think about this with me, if you will. These trees were bought, cut, loaded, and delivered with a very specific destiny in mind. They weren't going to be used for firewood somewhere in someone's winter cabin. They would not be used for framing or trusses that would ultimately be covered up by drywall or some other interior covering. These trees were making their way to the gifted hands of artisans. That's where they were going. They would, be, they would make the transformation from just mere wood to millwork. Gifted hands would hone them into brilliant and priceless pieces of crown molding and door facing and, and the like. They were supposed to spend the remainder of their days as finished pieces of millwork. Millwork that would bedazzle thousands of people that passed by only to behold their beauty and their grain. But due to the wounds that were never dealt with, they simply had to be discarded, trash. It all had to be burned. I say that today to say this, that if we don't take care of this man, it won't matter what God has in mind for us. If we do things that circumvent what God is ultimately able to do with us because of things that we have hidden within us that we just will not take care of, that we just will not relinquish that to the altar, we will not put that in the hands of God. Those that just raise their hands and self-righteously say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'll get over this, I'll get over this, I'm all right, it'll, it'll be all right. And in time, and in time, we grow around it to a degree and people think, you know, they look well. It seems like they've moved on past that. I know they had a tragedy in their life and there are scars that are there, but it looks like they're doing so good. But you see, it's not so good if all that shrapnel is still inside. We have to take care of this vessel 
because there is an the hand of an artisan that wants to mold us. There's a hand of an artisan that wants to shape us. There is a hand of someone that says, I can take that and I can work with that. Saul seemed like the most unlikely candidate in all of the world, but the gifted hands of the Lord said, I can choose him. Don't worry about this, Ananias. He is a chosen vessel unto me. So what will we do today? Will we just go ahead and live in our life larger than we ever dared dream possible? Will we just forge forward and still pretend to be six foot tall and bulletproof? Or will we be that other person to say, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be all right. I'll just, I'll just praise over the top of this hurt. I'll praise over the top of these wounds when inside God will never be able to use us for what he wants to use us for because there's things inside that just will circumvent the ultimate plan of God. We bear a responsibility. This is far more than just saying, have your way with me, Lord. Amen, let's stand. This is far more than just saying, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I gotta make sure I keep this vessel right. I gotta make sure I keep my heart clean. I gotta make sure my motives are pure. I have to make sure. I'm going to have to answer for that. Amen? I'm going to have to answer for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you join me now? And can we just worship the Lord? We're going to have a baptism service. I'm going to have the privilege here in just a moment to baptize Ethan. And uh, I pray that the hand of the Lord will just honor what's happened here in this service. There's been a lot of ministering here today. A lot of ministering, a lot of, a lot of healing here in this house today. And so, as we transition into the next closing portion of this service, would you consider the words that I've shared with you today? Amen. I want to be that chosen vessel. And if that's the case, then I better stop doing what I knew is wrong. I need to start doing what I know is right. And I need to, Lord, to touch my heart and cleanse and purify me. Amen. Would you make that your prayer this this morning? Can we magnify him? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.